Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my loyal bed crimers, good day. I hope all is well with you. Sending you wishes for a happy holiday. To anyone new, welcome to the channel. Thank you so much for stopping by. And as always, if after watching and or listening to the video, you find you enjoyed it, please hit that like button and consider subscribing. If you prefer your true crime in a downloadable format, head over to my sister channel, Carnage Street on Spotify. With that out of the way, let's get started. I've heard a lot of former detectives saying that the case of the Idaho Four will be solved through science and digital evidence. Part of what they mean by this is both by DNA found at the crime scene, as well as data tracking on any and all mobile devices that were in the area when the brutal and senseless crime occurred. Let's talk about it. We know that this crime scene, which is basically the rental property at 1122 King Road, and all the vehicles that were parked there on the morning of the crime is a complicated crime scene. Four human beings, Kaylee Gonsalves, Maddie Mogan, Zana Kornodal, and Ethan Chapin, were senselessly slaughtered in two bedrooms by one or more perpetrators using a sharp-edged object. We've heard it was a messy crime scene. Despite this, at more than a month out, the police haven't named any suspects. Many former cops and retired FBI special agents have said that, in all likelihood, the perp or perpetrators injured themselves during the frenzied attack on Sunday, November 13, 2022, between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Without a doubt, the bedrooms and the entire house at 1122 King Road, which was a well-known party house, are filled with DNA evidence that needs to be analyzed, separated, and then matched with whoever committed the crime. No small feat, because, as I said, it was a party house, as that footage from September 1st shows when none of the roommates were home and only random strangers who didn't know their names roamed inside, illustrates. Although I have to say the female who opened the front door did look a lot like one of the roommates, Bethany, so I don't know, maybe she didn't want to tell the police who she was. And the DNA bit will be particularly challenging if the perpetrator's DNA isn't in CODIS. All of this DNA extraction and testing takes time, and then investigators have to be able to connect that DNA to someone. But I don't want to get into the confusing ins and outs of DNA, no. Instead, I want to talk about how the investigators are likely going about tracking the perpetrator down right now using digital data. Pretty much everyone has a mobile phone these days. I have one, and I bet 99.9% .9 of you guys do. Only savvy criminals thinking ahead buy those burner phones, right? Or leave their mobile phones at home when they head out to wreak havoc and take lives. And I'm sure it's highly inconvenient for criminals not to have their phones when they're driving around in the dark, out in the country, tracking their prey. Highly inconvenient. They can't send a quick text after the deed is done to tell dear old mom, I'll be home soon. Can you put a pizza in the oven? 
Sorry, but I'm working off the theory right now that this perpetrator is young, between the ages of 20 and 30, and may have headed home from Moscow for the Thanksgiving holiday after committing this atrocious act. Whoever it is, is, in my book, a wolf hiding in sheep's clothing who may have his parents convinced he's not a psychopath. I know this could be the work of a serialist, but it could also be another student who attends the University of Idaho. You know, we've heard that the crime is personal and was targeted. And despite there being four victims, I sometimes think, is it possible that this person went in there planning to hurt one person, but ran into two in that third floor bedroom? So Maddie had to go. And maybe there was a scream or a sound that alerted Ethan and Zana that something was going on, and they opened their bedroom door on the second floor, came out to look or maybe popped their head out and said something. And then this person who had only planned to take one life suddenly had to take two more and ended up committing a mass crime with four victims, even though his intention was one victim. Is that a possibility? Maybe. Most people have their mobile phones with them and or wear an Apple Watch 24-7. Provided those devices are on, they can all be used to find individuals who are in a specific location on a specific date, at a specific time, or during a specific time range. Google, the American search engine company, in addition to helping all of us get answers to pretty much any question under the sun, also records all of our locations worldwide as we go about our days. Using a combination of satellite imagery, aerial photography, street maps, 360-degree panoramic views of streets, and GIS data, Google is able to provide up-to-date, comprehensive digital maps for route planning and travel via foot, car, bicycle, air, or public transit. Google is also able to determine a particular device's location. You see, most mobile phones are equipped with GPS, which uses signals from satellites to figure out those devices' locations. With Google Location Services, additional information from nearby Wi-Fi, mobile networks, and device sensors can also be collected to determine a device's location. In the event that you've heard of satellites, but you aren't really sure what they are, allow me to briefly explain. So a satellite is an artificial body or device that is placed in orbit around planet Earth in order to collect information or to enable communication on planet Earth. At night, in areas far from city lights and when the sky is without clouds, if you look up at the sky, you can see satellites in particular orbits. The satellite will look like a star steadily moving across the sky for a few minutes. Note that if the light you see blinks, then you're not seeing a satellite. Those blinking lights are attached 
to planes. Satellites actually don't have their own lights. When we catch a glimpse of one, what we're seeing is sunlight being reflected off the satellite. And it's usually off the larger solar arrays that provide power to the satellites. So because Google tracks our devices, investigators can sometimes get warrants for a location that forces Google to provide them with information and data for all the devices it recorded at that location during a particular time period. This means that anyone who was in that area at the time a crime occurred and who had their mobile phone or Apple Watch or iPad on can be tracked down by investigators without a doubt Investigators working on the case of the four slain Idaho students are hoping that data tracking will help them find this so far elusive perpetrator. Let me share an example of how this technology can be used to track the bad guys and bad gals. This bed crime story takes us to the urban sprawl that is Phoenix, Arizona. The year is 2018. It's just after midnight on March 14th, and someone with evil intent is behind the wheel of a white Honda on a quiet residential street. The driver is slowly creeping along the pavement behind a 29-year-old repairman named Joseph Knight, who is riding his bike home from his job at a nearby airport. The white Honda tails Knight on his bike for several blocks. It's no doubt unnerving for the repairman to feel the presence of this menacing vehicle trawling him as he pedals home. It's likely that at some point, Knight turns around to see who's behind him, only to find himself blinded by the vehicle's harsh headlights. A faceless driver lurks behind those bright lights and uses his vehicle to psychologically and physically threaten a stranger who's tired and just wants to get home. Knight no doubt feels a sense of relief when he finally arrives at his apartment and is able to escape his bike. But that relief is fleeting at best, because in one of those split seconds that forever changes lives and families, the sound of gunfire rings out. Although Joseph Knight doesn't hear them all, there are nine bangs. Bang, 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 bang. The nine shots burst forth from the white Honda's driver's side window, and they leave Knight lifeless on the pavement beside his bike. Knight passes away before first responders arrive. Another night in Phoenix, another life taken due to senseless violence. The only known witness to the cold-blooded crime is a home security camera. Although the blurry video captures the moment the unknown driver unleashes his rage on night, the footage is not clear enough to make out a license plate or a face. Sound like a familiar situation? According to an article in the Phoenix New Times newspaper, and I quote, when Avondale police found themselves without a lead one week later, they drafted a geofence warrant to Google, a type of search warrant that asked the tech giant 
to produce information on all devices in a given area during a given time period. Police asked Google to provide information on any wireless communication devices that pass through the same geographical locations that the suspect vehicle did on the night of the crime, end quote. So basically, the cops were casting a digital dragnet to find this perpetrator. The Phoenix New Times article goes on to say, and I quote, Google complied with the warrant and supplied the Avondale police with a list of four Google accounts that were active in the area at the time of Knight's death. From there, Avondale police asked Google for even more information on the accounts, and Google supplied it. Police found that a device logged into a guy named Jorge Molina's Google account was in the area at the time of the crime. Another important clue based on the data then surfaced, whoever was using that account had searched for shooting in Avondale on the evening of Knight's death. It didn't take long for the cops to find that a 23-year-old, Jorge Molina, was the registered owner of a white Honda, a vehicle that matched the one caught on that surveillance footage driving by Knight's residence that night. End quote. Thank God for that surveillance footage. Despite presenting Google with the geofence warrant one week after the crime, this investigation went on for nine months before Jorge Molina was arrested. So this should give all of us an idea of how long it takes for things like data tracking to come together to the point where an arrest can be made. So at around 9 a.m., on December 13, 2018, four police officers from Avondale, Arizona, walked into a Macy's warehouse in the Arizona town of Goodyear and told Jorge Molina that he needed to come with them. Molina, confused, but not one to buck the command of four cops, followed them out of the building where he worked. Once outside, Molina was stunned to find himself being handcuffed and then transported to the Avondale City Jail. At the jail, Molina was interrogated for several hours. The cops told him that 100% they knew his phone was at the crime scene when Joseph Knight died. Now, while this story shows how powerful data tracking can be when looking for perpetrators of brutal crimes. It also shows how careful investigators need to be when interpreting that data. Let me continue. Molina, who was truly gobsmacked, kept saying over and over that he didn't commit the crime, but the cops weren't having it. They escorted him to a cell where he spent the next week. But guess what? The cops actually did not know 100% that Jorge Molina's phone was at the crime scene. It turns out they'd actually arrested the wrong man based on Google's location data. Although Google's location data was incredibly helpful, it wasn't without glitches in this case. For Jorge Molina, Google's location data often showed him in two places at once. 
and Molina was not the only person who drove the white Honda that was registered under his name. His stepfather sometimes used that white Honda as well. When all was said and done, the cops discovered that it was actually Jorge's stepfather who was driving the white Honda when shots rang out from it, taking Mr. Knight's life. Here's what happened. Google's data did show that a device logged into Jorge Molina's Google account was in the area at the time of Knight's death. Yet on a different date, Google's data also showed that Molina was at a retirement community in Scottsdale where Molina's mother worked, while debit card records showed that Molina made a purchase at a Walmart across town at the exact same time. In Molina's case, Google's account location data wasn't reliable in determining the actual location of a person. While the data definitely led to the right vehicle, it did not lead at first to the right perpetrator. Believing the registered owner whose device was shown at the crime scene to be the perpetrator, the police arrested Jorge Molina. But on that night, Jorge's stepfather, Marcos Cruz Gaeta, had been behind the wheel, and with him in that vehicle was one of Molina's old cell phones. Gaeta was eventually arrested and charged with Knight's death. Case solved. And while this story illustrates that Google account location doesn't always immediately lead to the perpetrator and that sometimes multiple devices can be logged into the same account, I think it does also show how incredibly useful Google's account location data can be in eventually tracking down perpetrators. So let's hope that the Moscow Police Department doesn't wait to obtain a geofence warrant for Google so that they can get their hands on tracking data for any and all devices that were near the off-campus house at 1122 King Road when the four students were slain. Find the devices, track them to that white Elantra, and you may just find the perpetrator. But again, it takes time. We have to be patient. Easier said than done, right? Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, did you enjoy this? If so, please smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. Thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for being here and helping to make this YouTube channel, this thing we do, all possible.